Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Alt Kings podcast. I'm your host, Tate, and today I have Basil from Legends of the Past. How are you doing today, Basil? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to discuss about uh, gaming, web Hedera. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's very exciting. You guys are one of the up-and-coming Hedera projects, but I know that your mobile game is... It was mobile. It's not on desktop. It's for anybody in a sense. Anybody can play this game, even if you're not familiar with crypto. And I love that about it. So you mind telling me more about Legend of the Past? Yeah, sure. So indeed, Legend of the Past is a mobile game. Uh, and I think we are one of the few, uh, maybe only uh, mobile game on being built uh, at the moment on Hedera. Uh, so you'll be playing with historical figures, people that have shaped history throughout the ages, whether they be some kings and queens, soldiers, philosophers, artists from all around the world. So at the moment, we have only revealed our first legend, Cleo, uh, but it's not Cleopatra, it's Cleo, it's an alternate version of uh, Cleopatra that you've studied in school because our Cleo uh, has access to the throne of Egypt, but on her own, through, uh, through, through a boxing in, in, uh, in uh, Muay Thai. Um, and so you'll be playing with historical characters in a multiplayer PvP mobile game. So embodying and battling with your legends against other legends in uh, historical arenas that could be related to your legends or other legends. And we have some, so yeah, PvP, a competitive mode where you'll be uh, fighting against other uh, characters, but also some cooperation, uh, co-op mode in which you'll be like yeah, teaming up with other legends to fight some boss, some boss to uh, together win the the ultimate artifact of this uh, boss. Incredible. So, although it might not be Cleopatra, is this Cleo still a real person that lived at one point on this earth? Well, actually, well, yes, but not from in our timeline, not in our reality. Yeah, she comes yeah, from the, it, just from the past, potentially. Yeah, Legends of the Past, hence the name. Yeah, so I'm assuming. Exactly. Do you know what? Uh, when were they living, by chance? Oh, um, well, she she, she comes from an alternate reality. So oh, technically, okay. All right. Cleo has lived at the same time than our Cleopatra, but from an alternate reality, like a multiverse uh, parallel. Gotcha. So like she has lot of similar traits as Cleopatra, uh, the way she dressed, the way she, uh, the, the way she, yeah, she dressed, how she looks like, but her uh, temperament and how she has evolved is unique. It's her personal life and she has access and like, she's a, a Muay Thai king uh, uh, boxer. Amazing. Boxer. That makes complete sense. So I'm curious now to know, what is your experience in the past with, you know, developing out a mobile game and how have you utilized your previous experience to build out now legends of the past? Yeah. Uh, so as I was saying earlier, um, I've been working with uh, Neil, a uh, very good close friend and CTO uh, of our game uh, for the last four years, yeah, more than four years of working together. Um, and together we've, uh, we've built two first game, uh, two first games before legend of the past. Uh, those were educational games. The last one is still online on the app store. It's called play learner 1914. And so basically, you were like running in the trenches of World War One, avoiding obstacles, avoiding enemies in the trenches. And at some, at, at some checkpoints, a colonel would appear, ask you some questions through quizzes about the war. And if you answer correctly, he would reward you with ammunition and rifles that uh, helped you survive uh, along the way. And so we created this mobile game first to like uh, like French middle school, 
and 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 then we we sold it actually to like a French middle school was like u- using it in class to wow. like either mobile or with tablets to like our like first real experience like from a business perspective comes from this yeah, first uh, educational mobile historical uh, video game that we sold yeah, direct to parents and then middle school. Um, but that was our first experience. Now with Legend of the Past, um, we have leveled up uh, you know, a lot our team by recruiting first our art director, which is well, uh, amazing, uh, who has a huge gaming experience coming from uh, many of the greatest uh, studios in the world, like starting at Ankama, then moving into Supercell and other studios that I even cannot say the name. Uh, and having this amazing talent uh, has brought a lot, well, obviously in a gaming perspective, um, but also yeah in the world of design but also of how to build you know a game but like his experience because like we've built an indie game like we were 10 on our previous game so that we did something great uh, but having people like kim thomas and other people who have joined us recently are people that have like 20 years in experience in the gaming industry knows the overall pipeline of a real triple a mobile game the, the production pipeline with the different steps and the different you know like yeah um um, production uh, yeah, needs what, what the production actually needs uh, and so yeah, that's huge so first we managed to hire Marvin and Kim who helped us during the pre-production define the art the gameplay what did you, what did you want to do and started to build the prototype but moreover what's uh, amazing is well since they were like uh, enjoying what we were doing together, they attracted other play, uh, other people, people who used to work with them in the past in other gaming companies. And those highly talented uh, individuals are now working together on Legend of the Past, building the beta. Uh, and so right now, yeah, again, we couldn't be uh, happier and like, yeah, thrilled and amazed by our team. And sometimes we look back and say, how did we manage to gather those people? And I think something that is, that is important is in our gaming studio, um, we value a lot uh, the freedom and openness and everyone in our, on, in, in our team, whether like you'd be a, an intern, a programmer, an artist, wherever you come, uh, you'll have you know a say in what you think is be- best for the game. And so we're not a top-down gaming studio that gives like straight guidelines, uh, which is often the case in most like uh, gaming studios, like in uh, so, like uh, yeah, talented gaming studios. Uh, and so I think our key uh, members um, like enjoy this sense of freedom and having yeah the, the 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 possibility to create something that they will actually want to play for themselves and not simply obeying to like their superior so to say that's incredible and i'm a big fan of that you know the way that you're going about allowing your team members and the people part of the team to more or less utilize their own creativity and bring their own potentially their own yeah. ideas and creative thoughts to the table and for those to be noticed in some way, shape, or form. And it, I feel like, you know, the more creativity you allow people to flourish with, the more unique and the more fun, in a, in a way, the experience will be overall because you're allowing people to enjoy doing what they do and enjoy doing Absolutely. what they do best at the end of the day. Absolutely. And it's, it's Absolutely. really nice to see. And I'm a big fan of doing work that way also with our team over here at the Alt Kings. Simply put it, we allow people on our team to utilize their creativity to the fullest. And it's it's the best way of operating because, one, they'll enjoy their job, but, two, they'll feel as if their word's actually heard and they're not necessarily just only being told what to do. They get to yeah. do what they want also. And it's nice exactly. to see. 
and he, he, exactly it creates this like creative mindset in which like people because they have an idea they suggest it and we say okay it's good so like they move forwards and they, it becomes their idea their product their, their, their project and so like they want to do everything that is feasible so that their own project project sorry uh, goes all the way through uh, and so that's pretty important and i think we, we uh, we've learned a lot from our like again i've been working with neil closely for the last four years with like different people uh, with our previous uh, games uh, and we've learned a lot from this experience well how to build games but also as how to conduct you know a studio i think that when we first started, Neil and I, we had, you know, a very strict, you know, ideas of what we wanted to do. And people who were working well, for us and with us, you know, like, yeah, we're like embarking we love, you know, on our ideas. And right now, things that we are like so many things to handle with like, the community, the funding, the development, recruitment. And so right now, when it comes to the game, and we know that our team members, well, they have more experience than us, definitely. And they are way more talented. And so, like, we definitely give them, you know, like, this sense of freedom and yeah, it's created this uh, positive circle. Uh, and it's it's amazing because sometimes, you know, like uh, we have this like a uh, team meeting once a week where you can see some updates either on the project, on the new legends or any cool ideas. And sometimes we have some ideas that we were not prepared for. Say, oh my God, how did you came up with that? That's awesome. And I like, say, if I was like the one in charge of this like level design or whatsoever, I would definitely not have, have came up with something as a cool and engaging as that. So yeah. That's incredible. I really like that. So you have a very structured team. There's a lot of creativity that flows throughout the team. I'm curious now, you have a storyline backing this mobile game. Can we dive into that a little bit? I know that it's there's it's very vast and very, you know, very spread out and you have so many different, you know, intertwining storylines that play along with it once you release more characters. But can you give us a brief rundown of how this storyline plays out from the beginning and where we are now? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, um, all of it, you know, happened in the heaven of legend. All the people that have shaped history in a positive way are gathered in this heaven of legends. And so uh, quickly, people were like very happy. Uh, but yeah, eventually, people noticed that if everyone was legendary, ultimately, no one was legendary. And so, like, since those like legendary people all all have like these like big uh, egos. And they were like, oh, no, I'm the one who had shaped history. And Gandhi was saying, no, oh, no, I was the one who made a dent in the history whatsoever. And so progressively, like, Daedalus, you know, you know, and Leonardo da Vinci, they both created this legend arena so that legends could now finally compete against each other in a friendly manner because they are battling against each other, each other but they're not killing each other. It's, they are already in the heaven of legends, so they are, they are not dying. They could, like, yeah, get sleepy and then come back to the arena. And so... Now people are just yeah like fighting to become the ultimate legend amongst the legend, as a way you know to to rank uh, to rank themselves. How many legends will there end up being throughout the whole entire game? Well, this is confidential. I cannot say you know right now, but okay. enough enough so that people have fun while we start the game, uh, but not too much so that it's actually like uh, achievable and people can actually uh, yeah it will gotcha. uh, yeah exactly. Nice. Makes sense. So, but one thing I know, so we might not necessarily know how many legends there will be, but each legend, there will be a thousand per legend, correct? Um, not exactly. Not uh, we exactly. are a free-to-play video game, meaning that our game is not token-gated. And I think it's something gotcha. in which we are different from other games, other web-free games, meaning that you won't need an NFT to play. You'll simply like see an ad of our game in the, I don't know, like Paris subway. Say, okay, it's a cool game. I tried out, I downloaded it on the Play Store or App Store, and then progressively I'll embark on this journey. And 
when it comes to the thousand NFT that you are referring to Legends, it's a premium experience. But again, we are creating um, tokenomics and a reward loop that at the same time embark Web2 players to play for the thrill of the game. And progressively, some of them will understand that there are some people that are actually making money to like play to earn because they are managed to get those artifacts that are very strong and powerful and that are trading it to other players. And you also have some people that are in the legend committees. What is a legend committee? And that's where the NFTs come from. So we'll be selling uh, this year 1,000 NFT of Clio's. Those 1,000 NFT of, of Clio's are the 1,000 seats in the Clio committee. And if you are in the Clio committee, you have some governance, you have some governance and some financial rewards, meaning that governance, you are electing some representative for weekly and monthly tournaments. Because what's important is uh, we are um, a Web3 game that will reward with our native token uh, our, our gamers, but not on a daily basis uh, like some games would do, but for tournaments. So like weekly and monthly basis, we do like big tournaments and each legend, each legend committee will elect some representative. So Clio elect uh, five Clio players. So could be anyone who play with Clio could be a free-to-play player. So someone that is not from the committee or someone from the committee who represent the team, just like an esports tournament of, you know, like a Clash Royale or a Call of Duty. And those players will represent the team. And if Clio win the tournament, well, then all the members of Clio committee, just like shareholders, will receive some earnings in LOP. And so that's why I think it's important. And that's our main you know, focus is to actually, because we have the team and resource to build a, a gameplay that could attract millions of players for a long time. And so we want to have uh, a tokenomics and a reward loop that at the same time is sustainable over time. So that's why Web2 players embark for free, are having fun for free. Some of them will grind all the way through earning the strong artifacts to actually make money out of it. Some players will want to become the representative because they want to participate in the tournament to make money. Or some people will, will want to be, to be part of the legend committee to well, have this governance, to, to, to participate in the, the, the polls, the elections, and also get the like, rewards during the, 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 um, the events. So we have Web2 players, members of the committee. We have people who are making money because they are getting you know, strong artifacts. And we have a last category of players. We call them the legend followers. This is something new, something that we are creating, and I think doesn't really exist you know, in other Web3 games, is we are creating a real bridge, a direct, simple and easy uh, bridge between Web2 players and Web3 members. Because ultimately, becoming a member of Clio committee is going to be highly expensive because you have governance and you know, LOP rewards. And so if you enter the game for free, you won't have maybe the budget to participate and to buy these uh, highly sought-after NFTs to become a, um, a Clio committee member. However, you can become a Clio follower. What that is... If you want to have some rewards, so like some gems and some go some goals or some uh, fragment of, of artifact, a cool way to do that is to buy some LOP, not that much, could be like five or ten dollars worth of LOP, and you would stack it in the vault of the legend committee. So the idea is now I um, I pledge my allegiance to like Clio and say I'm a follower of Clio, but like this. I'm not a member of the committee per se, so I won't have the LOP rewards, but I have some gaming rewards and progressively it's a first step into like, like going through this ultimate, you know, like experience of becoming a legend committee members. Um, and I think we really appreciate, you know, these uh, this mechanisms because on the one hand, it creates uh, a seamless, you know, um, uh, yeah, path 
for players coming for the game and discovering this cool utility relative to like NFTs, governance, VIP experience in the legend committees. And at the same time, since the, to enter this experience, they will be like holding and stacking. This is also like very good for the ecosystem. And people who will receive the LOP, they can cash it, can, they can cash it out because you have some people that are actually holding it, stacking it. And so we create this reward loop in which the token, the LOP token is sustainable over time. And if people uh, cash it out, it's uh, absolutely fine. Nice. That's a lot to digest, but <laughs> sorry. No, 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 no. It's it made complete sense. You explained it very well. So there's multiple different various ways that you can play Legends of the Past game. You can integrate, you know, the Web3 aspects, you can just play simply the Web2 aspects, or you can simply just support your favorite legend and just do that alone and you know be a part of that community for that legend and then earn the rewards that bring forth from the legend's winnings say in a tournament and then you know retain each that value from that legend simply put it right exactly that's exactly it. nice you said it you said it better than i did <laughs> amazing well it's very fascinating to hear that and i'd love to dive deeper into that here soon but what I'm interested in now that we know, you know, we know that you have a very structured team. We know where the storyline kind of plays out with Legends of the Past and what all the aspects are around it. I'd really like to know what inspired the direction behind the artwork and who is doing the art itself. Because the the art is very fascinating to me. I really like the brush style behind it and it, it all really pairs very well together. Do you mind diving yeah. into the art a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, with pleasure. But I think we mentioned that a little bit earlier during the, the, the call. All of the art is designed by our art director. Uh, nice. So uh, the one who, uh, who's been like full-time with us since last uh, last summer, so it's like nearly one year since he joined Legend of the Past. Uh, but again, all of his like inspiration comes from well, his previous experiences in those like huge uh, gaming studios. We don't like, you know, like to like, you know, like name everything and you know because sure. we want people to embark you know on legend of the past for the content and not because our team members used to work at those like great studios of course work on these, like, mobile hits but again so that's why you know sometimes we have this you know um, not concern but we are in the middle of okay on the one hand we want to attract players people to, to see what we are building because of our like team uh, pedigree but on the other hand yeah we'd rather want people to like discover like be under the radar and people simply discover because, yeah, how the gameplay is like engaging and fun and also how the, how the art is like different. It's something fresh and something is like, uh, Kim always say, say that, so I'm going to say it uh, less, uh, like not as good as him, uh, but he o o often says that we have to keep it fresh. So whenever we, we create Clio, it's a fresh version of Clio. That's why she's, she's independent. She's, she's very, you know, like uh, muscular. Um, and again, and all of our legends are, in this touch of freshness. So when it comes to like our like yeah marketing, you know uh, assets, uh, the the character of the game, the overall environment, the gameplay, the game feel. I think one of our core, core um, mission is to do something that is fresh because creating a game uh, like takes time, and when it's out, we want to create something that people uh, are yeah completely amazed by it. Yeah, for sure, it makes complete sense and. I really think and I, I really like how you take pride in you not, you know, not necessarily telling and trying to promote people's previous experience and their previous work because there's no necessarily real need to. It's kind of just, you know, saying just it's kind of just saying like, well, we have this guy who's been here and he might be able to do this. But in reality, yeah. 
he if he can't even do that, there's no real value of having him. Exactly. But, you know, all it's all you're basically saying is it's proof within the work itself, and it's definitely already showing within Legends of the Past and the art that's been provided already with Cleo and as well as you know seeing some of these other NFTs that you have like the artifacts. Yeah. And you've seen you've seen one percent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only one. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying that to show off. But again, we are taking the time and we have prepared like many like you know like, yeah. Either it be like marketing or the game, you know, like itself. We are taking the time so that whenever we release something, it creates like a huge like a boom, and people say okay, and they are absolutely amazed by the quality uh, and the the fun coming from this uh, experience. So stay tuned. <laughs> yes, stay tuned indeed. There's a lot to be made. I can already see it. It's just, it's clear within just this simple conversation that we're having today. I'd love to dive now into the competitor's analysis. I know that there's two different scenarios that you play out within your white paper. You mind diving into how this will work for the holders? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh in the white paper, when we mentioned those two scenarios, we are talking about like competitors and, you know, explaining, you know, uh, that we're not a token gated game because uh, some games, you know, like, you know, like you need an NFT to enter to play. And so yeah. those kind of games and, 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 you know, and the reward loops that comes out of it, you know, are not sustainable because basically games programmer developers are rewarding with crypto players based on the arrival of new players that purchase the NFT to enter. And this loop works in bull market when you have like a lot of people coming in at the same time. But as long as your um, number of new players start to decrease like slow, or, or slows down, well, you don't have enough budget to reward the current players. And so people will leave over time. So that's why, you know, you know, I think in, we've participated to like many like a web three gaming web three conference like you know like nft paris you know like a paris blockchain week and also we, we've, we've joined you know the the blockchain game alliance with like many web three games and right. we're often discussing with, with many of our competitors and it's crazy because we think that we we see you know right now that there are very little games that are actually taking into account um what has happened you know like uh, in the last two years because i think axie paved the way from a new general video game and that was amazing and Thanks, but honestly, without Axie, uh, we won't be there. Like we or many other Web two games won't be here at the moment. Uh, but I think that right now, a lot of people are simply like copying and pasting, you know, what Axie has done or other uh, similar competitors. And so that's why, you know, in our white paper, I wanted to insist is what other games usually do, why it doesn't work. Well, it's it's our way of thinking, and well, we've seen like you know those games only last you know, like three to six to nine months. Uh, depending on the quality of the gameplay. Uh, and so that's why we, we we took the other way around and say, okay, we are starting with free-to-play. And then when it comes to NFT and rewards, okay, how can we uh, implement it within the game? Whereas many games start from like business model and trading NFTs and say, okay, people will trade it, we get some royalties. Okay, now I'm going to implement the game on top of that. And we did it the, the completely way around, starting with the gameplay, starting with, with the core loop, what will... Um, create retention of the uh, over time only for the game. And then we integrated, you know, like NFTs and LOP rewards. But as, like I said, this like a premium experience for like committees, like a legend committee members or people who will trade those artifacts, it's important for us that they will trade it. Uh, but only because those artifacts have a real value. Sometimes you can see some Web3 games in which you can see like some marketplace that are like overflowed with like thousands of, similar NFTs that all have the same like in-game value. And so 
obviously with the supply and demand mechanisms, those values are like getting slim to none. Whereas in our game, like simple artifacts are not tradable because everyone can win it in the game. But it's, it's like, you know, I, I like to do this, this comparison. It's like, you know, like in World of Warcraft or, you know, in Dorfus, those, you know, like MMORPG, those games, some people actually sell their account after like pl- uh, playing for two years. But it makes sense because they have reached a certain level. If you get like a level like 90, people, okay, that works a lot. And so people are actually willing to pay. But if I sell my Dorfus account and I'm level one, who would pay for that? That's I think true. same same goes for it's, it's simple but like same goes for nfts people will be like will want to like trade something that has a real value based on gaming utility and scarcity and it's something that we've integrated in our game so like it won't be easy and people not, not everyone will, will make money uh, in terms of crypto uh, yeah it's not a, a regular play to run uh, within the game so like play, players who want to do some quick profit after like two days don't play lp because it's not going to happen however real gamers that have you know like um, and I will progress throughout the game, they will be the one who will actually mint and create very strong and powerful artifacts. We are not selling them. All of the artifacts are created within the game. And so whenever you are the one that creates the like, strongest version of Excalibur, for instance, you will be the one who have like, something that is unique. No one in the game have it. And so well, you can sell it to someone else well, for a lot of money because it has a real gaming value. And so our positioning of how to embark players gathering and keeping it with like you know like um free-to-play mechanisms to embark players like just the game and this reward loop and then offering you know rewards for either the premium experience with the committee or for like skilled players that manage to get their hand of powerful artifacts that's how we are gathering all those kind of mechanisms and so that's why on the white paper i started with like selling by simply stating what we're not going to do in order to explain what we are building right now because I think the space is very new. A lot yeah, of people, indeed. and sometimes, I, yeah, I'm discussing with many Web3 games and many people are, yeah, like inspired by other games and people need to like put your like, hand in the tokenomics deep down. And for instance, like, I'm going to be honest, when we started, you know, like uh, to, to imagine the tokenomics, at first we were like directly like inspired by other like su- su- successful Web3 games. We wanted to do some, some reading features like NFTs, reading more NFTs. But then when we run it into Excel and we draw, you know, like the old, you know, like database and uh, yeah, database, you know, of uh, the supply and we see that hey, it's not visible because if you increase the supply over time, well, eventually the price will go down. And so why would someone enter like on day one if your NFT is going to be worth less 10 days, one month from now? And so anyway, uh, we started by doing what other were doing and then we understood some stuff. And so we were challenged by our token advisor. We're working with two separate independent uh, token advisors regarding the gaming tokenomics who are helping us uh, developing what we are uh, doing, who have challenged us and like what we are doing. So again, it's not perfect. We still have to work with market makers to be sure that it's sustainable over time, but uh, it's going in the right direction. It's unique because at the moment we don't see something that is similar in the way we are rewarding with uh, committees uh, and the play to run with artifact. Um, so yeah. Tokenomics can be difficult from my personal experience as well. It's just so complex to figure out the best way of going and sustaining longevity within whatever vision you have set out for the token itself. And I mean, majority of tokens need that longevity to survive as a token. So I'm I'm curious how to know. So you have your own token, the, the LOP token, but you also have gold and gems that are also integrated. I'm assuming that the gold and the gems are integrated on the web two aspect, just on the mobile aspects of things. And then the LOP. And I I think I might've saw something in regards to the gems being integrated within the web three aspects. 
You mind yeah, exactly. talking in regards to those? Yeah, exactly. So the the gold is the the it's a soft currency. It's you know because um, as we said earlier, uh, only like when you create and when you uh, mint uh, when when you when you earn sorry uh, uh, level one Excalibur, so an artifact within the game, you'll be able to trade it to other players, but not on secondary marketplace. It's not going to be you know in our like within the game, you know, like so you'll trade it to other players with gold, and the gold is not attached to like it's not convertible. It's not tradable in other tokens like this. People will actually trade some artifact for the gaming utility, not to make profit. And it's only when you reach a certain level of, um, like, yeah, uh, certain level uh, in those artifacts that you can later on trade it, you know, on secondary marketplace. But it will not be tradable in LOP. It will be tradable in HBAR on secondary marketplace. So that again, because we don't want to have, you know, uh, uh, if our LOP is like too too uh, too volatile. Uh, People will not want to uh, trade those artifacts because the value is like too uh, too, too volatile. So, again, um, the the two tokens, the gold and the gem, they all have a direct utility within the game. So, to trade the NFTs and the gem is useful to create the artifact, to mint it, so you can use it, and it will be useful to like level up your level of artifact and also level up your level of your legends. So, and then the LOP. That's the native, you know, uh, HBAR token uh, in which you are like, you know, uh, mint, uh, minted, you know, on Hedera. Um, that, will, that will be able to, like, be, of course, tradable in, in other tokens. And that it's this one that has uh, governance utility. You are spending it to level up your level of committee. You are spending it if you want to, like, uh, convert it uh, and to uh, become, you know, a, a legend followers to have these uh, gaming rewards and, yeah, to pledge allegiance to this, uh, to become a legend followers. So we have this different kind of mechanism where we have tokens that have utility only within the game, so that players are yeah having fun and uh, also uh, wel- welcoming uh, like Web two players if they want to. They don't have enough gem to level up to level of artifact. Web two players could uh, buy some gems with in that purchase. People who are not familiar with Web three don't want to go like don't understand what it is, and, and that's why you know like this concept of creating those legend followers is something that we find interesting. Is some Web two players will enter some of them because you'll be able to get some gems in, in in the game, but like if you want to go faster, you can spend a little bit to get more. Uh, but what we want to achieve is some Web two players will spend at first like two dollars to like get ten gems, and then they will understand okay. What if instead of spending $2 in, in that purchase, I, well, embark on this, you know, like Web3 journey, I hold some LOP and I stack it. And if I stack it, I will then get some gems, you know, like as, as a yield. And so the idea is to create those mechanisms so that players on their own understand that there are simply like two ways of getting the gems, uh, three ways. Either you play the game sufficient, either you spend it, you spend some in-app purchase, or either you hold and stack some LOP in the legend committee and you get it, you know, as a, a yield, uh, a yield uh, on a monthly basis. And the idea is to control those mechanisms so that players say, okay, why would I spend something and I don't get my money back? Whereas if I get some LOP, I can at the same time hold it, have some yield uh, in, uh, in gems and goals. And later on, I still have my LOP because it's mine. And this is how we are taking Web2 players by the hand. And yeah, we want to make them feel the power of Web3 and to hold something that is yours, whether it be an NFT or a fungible uh, token, such as the LOP. And you also want to make sure that there's possible ways of onboarding those Web2 players to Web3 by, you know, providing higher rewards to the Legends holders, as well as just other unique, valuable ways of 
getting those Web2 users who are going to be much greater than, say, the Web3 users integrated into Web3 in whatever way, shape, or form you possibly can to really you know, build more scarcity within the NFTs that you have circulating, as well as not only build scarcity, but you know, potentially rise the floor price of those NFTs also down the line as more mass adoption comes to Legends of the Past. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly how we are like implementing it. Well, that's incredible. I know that you have a, a couple of different various uh, NFTs within your collection so far. Obviously, you have your Legends, and the Legend that you've released to date is Clio, soon to come yeah. many more. You have your Infinity Jar, your Artifacts, yeah. and your Heaven Keys. You mind exactly. which one out of all three, the Infinity Jar, the Artifacts, and the Heaven Keys, which one will yield you more of a return, say, of the the token, the LOP token? It's simple, the Infinity Jar. I think the, the Infinity Jar is the well, it, it's not, I think, but it is the most, you know, uh, like coveted and most like powerful uh, NFTs in Heaven of Legends. Because the Infinity Jar, it's a jar that will always provide what you need. So the Infinity Jar will provide you Heaven Keys. Think of Heaven Keys as simple whitelist spots. If you have a Heaven Key, you can mint, but you can only mint once. Gotcha. But if you have the Infinity Jar, the Infinity Jar will always airdrop you a Heaven Key before uh, a mint. So that's perfect. So you'll still have your jar that will provide you. So the Infinity Jar provides you three things. First, it provides uh, a mint, you know, uh, a mint utility. So it will give you the Heaven Keys and some discount for future uh, future mints. So you have a mint utility. You have a gaming utility because you, you'll get some some weapons, some artifact of the game, and also some gold and some gems. So um, in-game utility. And last one is financial utility because if you have the Infinity Jar, you will also get some airdrop of LOP. And so the, the, the strongest artifact is definitely the Infinity Jar because the Infinity Jar is what provides you like either like discount, access, in-game you know, tokens, all of the great utility that, that you will need. So if you want to embark in our journey, owning a jar is highly valuable because it will be sure that you will participate in everything and it also will give you some airdrops and you'll receive uh, some airdrop. If you are a jar bearer, you will receive your first airdrop actually this week. It uh, will be announced on Twitter in a couple of minutes. Nice, nice. That's exciting. So to get the uh, to get the infinity jar, you have to have a heaven key. And how would you obtain one of these heaven keys? And yeah. before you, before you answer that, simply put it: these heaven keys are basically, like you said, the whitelist to obtain other NFTs and other pieces of value relating exactly. to the game. Exactly. Exactly. So. One heaven key is one guaranteed whitelist spot. If you have one heaven key, you'll be able to participate in one mint. So, so right now we are hosting some quests in our Discord and in Twitter. So we do it uh, on our own, but we're also doing some collaboration with other HVAR projects. So we are giving some heaven keys to other projects. We've done that with DeadPixel. We are doing it also with uh, After Dark Social Club. I was and about we're also to say yes, After Dark. Yeah, <laughs> that's a new collab. Yeah, and we are also like we are already prepared uh, future collabs in the in the next following weeks. And so, if you want to get the heaven keys, there are two ways. Well, three ways actually. First way is you participate, you know, in our Discord, in our quest, and you hope to be uh, to be uh, to be selected. But if you're here enough, you'll you'll, you'll find a way. Uh, people, if you want a heaven key in our Discord, you'll manage to to get one. First thing. Second thing is participating, you know, in like all the collabs and giveaways. And the last one is if you're not lucky in our Discord or in other collabs, you can still buy it on secondary market because some people 
um, already have the jar or want the want to sell those NFT because they were l- lucky enough. So you can also buy it on secondary sale. Incredible. Who knows? Maybe we'll have an Alt Kings uh, Alt Kings collaboration down the line. Who knows? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. That, that would be cool. That would be very cool. I'm curious, and this is kind of my last question, since we've kind of really went over everything that's within the white paper, as well as much more that goes deeper outside of the white paper. Where do you see the the near future of Legends of the Past? And what can we expect as, you know, potential investors, potential holders, and potential people who are just simply interested in the mobile game uh, within these next few months? Yeah. Um, So... I think we spent like more than one year and a half already building the pre-production. So like defining the art, the gameplay, a lot of time was like under the radar. Like we were uh, on Twitter watching what was happening on the space, but we, uh, we only opened the, the Twitter account in like late October. Um, but anyway, so in the following months, uh, now that we are not in pre-production, but in production mode, like actually like accelerating in the production of the game, uh, you'll see. Uh, some sneak peeks of the legend, some sneak peeks uh, of the game, some um, uh, marketing materials. I'm not going to say what it is, but you'll see some, some cool stuff. So related to the game and to the IP. Uh, and you'll have also the opportunity to participate in becoming a first uh, legend committee member, a first Clio committee member when we do the sale of Clio uh, this year. Nice. Well, that's exciting. And I look forward to it. I need to get my hands on some of these keys because it doesn't seem as if you guys are stopping anytime soon. And I feel as if the quality of product that you guys will continue to provide will only get more scarce and more, even more better than what it is today. And so, Basil, with that being said, thank you for taking the time once again to come on the Alt Kings podcast. And if there's anything else you'd like to close out on, now would be the time to do so. Thank you once again for showing up today and providing all this great information for everybody who's out there interested. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to, uh, to be here. Pleasure to be invited. Pleasure to have this uh, wonderful conversation and tell you more about LOP. So again, we are very, uh, very happy uh, to have this momentum at the moment, whether it be regarding to the project of the, the development of, of the of the game, the the, the the prototype already, but also this cool momentum that we have with our community, those cool collaboration. And we feel how the HBAR community like sticking together, helping each other out, especially in these like difficult times in the, the recent uh, events. Um, and so, yeah, we are here in the long run. We are here to stay. We are here to build something very cool and to attract a lot of gamers uh, and investors on Hedera over time. So stick with us and we, it's going to be a, a long journey and a fun journey together. And I'll be here with you. Ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, this has been the Alt Kings podcast and we will see you all next episode. Peace.